It does take time. And I think it's because I see myself as someone who is more than the role that I play in that I act. I'm not an actor in the sense that my worth is not tied to my work. Hello everyone and welcome to Chai with Rai. Hi, I'm your host Rai and each week I bring you a guest or a fruitful message from the creative industry all while sipping and spilling some hot chai and of course discussing all things life and culture surrounding the creative industry. Now if you haven't done so, make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you never miss an episode. If you love this podcast and are listening to this on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Audible or wherever you stream your podcasts from, if you could do me a kind favor and make sure to rate the podcast, comment on it and share it on your story social media and spread the word it organically grows the show and connects us with listeners who haven't tuned in before and overall as i always say it just shares the love also if you haven't already you can now become a patron to chai with rye by signing up on patreon for five pounds or as i love saying it in this accent five dollars each month your subscription will help support the show but also get you exclusive things such as a 24-hour link to the unedited and unfiltered video version of the show before it goes live on all podcast streaming platforms shout out in the show of your comments and of yourself exclusive opt-ins to any of the guest projects such as if a writer i've had on the show are doing a workshop or a director who i've had on the show is looking for an assistant director i will be advertising on the patreon channel and lastly you will also get exclusive visuals and soundbounds to the show not published anywhere else but on patreon i will put the link for the patreon channel in the description of the episode so make sure to check that out now without further ado let's dive into today's episode let's warm up our cuppers and let's get into part one of part two of my chat with actress soha rahman i'm not going to take it personally even though i supported your <laughs> podcast by listening to it lkkg yes was I that did. research or did you do it on purpose well research but i oh, still okay. listened do you know what I mean? Okay, well, when I do an episode on you, I'll research. That's fine. But we start a game with a little bit of a fast, rapid round. It's a five-second rule. So you have five seconds to say something, act three things, do three things. And we're going to start with a prep round. So I, I'm going to try and throw you off once we've done the test around. Like, I'll give you a fact about you and I'll try and throw you off completely, but just go with it. All right. So okay. this is your first test trial question for your game. What are... Three things you must do after waking up. Go. Make my bed, have a coffee, brush my teeth. Well done. Well done. Well done. You don't take a shit in the morning? No, some mornings I don't. It's a great morning if it comes on time and I'm like done for the day. Yeah. It's amazing, but there's no guarantee. Question, two bathrooms in the house or one? Because how do you guys manage your poo times, you and Dan? Oh, well, we're in, if we're in our Norfolk house, two. If we're in the flat, one. But I just ask him what time he's waking up in the morning and then I'll wake up before him. Have you guys gone to a place in your relationship where... We do not poop in front of each other. No. <laughs> if, no. If that was the question. No, that's not the question. A mystery helps. No, the question is not that. The question is if one of you has pooed and you know, like you'll spray and everything like that, but there's still like a remnant of the no, smell. No. We don't have a spray in the bathroom. There's but just you... a time limit. Like if I walk in his bath, I'm like, babe. Wait, you don't lock the door? No, I mean, walk in after. Not oh, so you just smell yeah. it like natural, everything. I know what he smells like. If I'm in a crowd and someone farts, I'll know if it's his. Because it has specific scent? I think everyone has a specific scent. Fair enough. What's his scent like? Describe it quickly. His like poop. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you mean his 
accent, which is lovely. I meant his poussin. <laughs> is it quite earthy? Is it quite musky? It's a little musky, you know. Mm, I mm. cannot wait for Dan to listen to this. <laughs> <laughs> we this... love a musky man. All right. Um, <clears throat> this is my voice is going. Oh my god! You're these weak. are these are your three rapid questions. You worked apparently as a pre- presenter or a producer on Asia TV. Yeah. Also, I found this out. And also, you have a podcast called LKKG, which is also known as Lo Kya Kenge, which yeah. is available for streaming just on Spotify, by the way, or other places too. Uh, it's on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, and some episodes are up on YouTube as well. Uh, I'll link an, I'll link something in the bio of the description of the episode to that. And in one of the episodes called Khana Pakana Aata Hai, Men, you descri- describing about like weddings and things like that, you say, I'm paraphrasing this, men are simple creatures and how you can slave over lasagna again and again. But Dan, quoting Dan specifically in this, he loves your chicken salad. You also guys, or both of you, you go to talk about the shady moments, how nobody ever talks about the wedding night and how tired you can be, that it's really exhausting and how also nobody talks about contraception, which mm-hmm. I thought was really interesting. So mm-hmm. with that in mind, it's zombie apocalypse. The world is about to be overtaken by underwater zombies. What are three ways you're going to save humanity? Go. If they're underwater, they'll be afraid of fire. So fire, loads of air to yeah. dry them out. I think I only need two. You just said, wait, wait, wait. So repeat them again. I was busy counting. I'm not going to lie. Oh, so you weren't I said fire because if they're from underwater, they don't know what fire is. So yeah. They'll be scared. Okay. And uh, loads of air like wind blowers to dry them out you do realize that you're in charge of this how are you going to do all of this you're like the last person you're like brad pitt in world war z right now i'm sorry you gave me five seconds to explain my process but i'm asking you to explain your process right now so i didn't know those fire blowers and leaf blowers done <laughs> b and q baby <laughs> are you quite crafty i didn't know if you are Yes. Actually, you yeah. are. I watched this plant pot making video of you, which was really fascinating. Plants. And... I've built most of the shelves and chests of wardrobes and everything in my house. Ikea or made? Both. Nice. And Wayfair. Oh, just shut. Shit. Don't do it. Is Wayfair still around? Maids shut down, it right? <laughs> Maids <laughs> shut down. Did you see the sale but... they had? Did you go? They had a sale. No, I wasn't in the country. And so I've, this is so random. I've been searching for that made stock for the longest time because I, I was like, I know the stock is somewhere. Someone's bought it. Someone's going to put it up on sale. I need to know. And I finally found where it is. Where is it? It's on a website called Room Perfected, which is based in Manchester. And there are warehouses in it because we tried to look for like shelving units and things like that. And we came across them. Yes, there's some yeah. that are at independent retailers, um, but the showroom has most of them and they do free delivery. So Go get your stock, guys. It's all 80% off. Well, I just go to HomeSense. There's one like down the road, which does really good shit. So, Oh, I've never done HomeSense. I'm Have you not? Sure. It's like yeah. Ikea, but for furniture. I would say go for it if you can find one. Oh, okay. It's really good. All right. You only got two questions before we, we actually need to stay on focus. In <laughs> Forbes magazine, whilst discussing an interview about Spider-Man, you quote the following, and I'm just going to quote the interviewer and you at the same time. You quote about how central it is to your work that we need better representation of South Asians and Muslims in entertainment. It is imperative. And you go on to say the following. 
We grow up watching television and blockbuster movies. And if we don't see ourselves on the screens, then we don't really exist. But also reading up on you, you studied law. So with that in mind, list three basic legal things that artists, actors, let's say, should look out for in a contract when signing either to an agency or to a film or a theatre contract. Ready for three, two, okay, let's pick one category. You Yeah, pick one because a, an agency contract is very different. A representation contract is very different to let's do, a work contract. Let's do a work contract because I feel like in agency contracts, we all know like it's the percentage that the agency takes yeah. usually and things like that. All right, let's yeah. do let's do work. Ready? Four, three, two, go. Buyout, uh, territories and uh, use of likeness. Use of your likeness. That's a good one, actually. I feel like now that's become a thing, especially in the Marvel contracts and the Disney contracts. They really do that. Did you guys have to do this thing where you had to go in this room and there were like cameras all around? Oh, yeah. They was, we do that every two weeks. I found that so fascinating. I was like, and Keanu Reeves talks about like owning your IP address. So your likeness is owned digitally now. Like you need to own domains for that. That's wild. But yes, in this in this day and age, your likeness is the most valuable thing that you have. It is the reason you get hired. It is the reason that you will continue to work. And it is the reason that you will have buyouts constantly mm. because your likeness is being used. So I think that is very important. And a lot of people forget about it. True, because we're so busy wanting the job. All right, your last yeah. question. In the podcast, Unsweetened and Unfiltered, you discussed the three T's. Now I'm going to be paraphrasing this, but tell me if I'm doing this wrong. The three T's, what I took away from it is discusses, let's say, actors of color and how work is developed for you mm-hmm. or the industry develops it for you. So yeah. the first stage is you often play small characters, stereotypical box. The second stage is where you are allowed or the project itself allows you to have more character development, effect on plot line and the story. <clears throat> the third stage is a role that has nothing to do with your appearance or how you identify or what you believe in. And it's more nutritious for you, like, let's say, as a actor or as a creative mm-hmm. So with that in mind, I'm going to extend five seconds to 10 seconds, okay? Because we're both foodies, okay? Hence why the word nutritious. In 10 seconds, you have the option, choose one and let me know which one you're doing. How to make a Nahari, a delicious Nahari or a vegetable biryani. You have to tell me the recipe of them in 10 seconds. Which one are you going to do? You cannot make Nahari in a hurry. No, no, but you it have to listen to the steps. You need to listen to the steps. What are you going to do? Nahari or vegetable biryani? I'm going to do biryani. Okay, biryani. Ready? 10 seconds. Go. Make the shan masala. Put it, Put the chicken in. Boil your rice. Layer your chicken and your rice. Done. Oh my God, it was a veggie biryani. <laughs> <laughs> chicken. You've never made a vegetable biryani, have you? I have, actually. I hosted an iftar at my house uh, two years ago and I made a chicken biryani and I made a veg biryani because I had 15 friends coming over. Some of them were vegetarian. Not all of them were Muslim, but it was like my introduction to them mm-hmm. for what Ramzan was. Mm. Mm. Put the chicken in in your vegetable biryanis, kids. <laughs> it could be khaira chicken. It could be this chicken. Um, Sure, sure. Why not? What's the one biggest thing when you came to the uk that was like a shock factor for you if you remember it at all where the fuck are the ceiling fans <laughs> i legit i used to walk into rooms and be like 
इसमें भी नहीं है You didn't come during winter. We came during winter, so we were just like, and we came with our tinjoris and everything. Even if you come in the winter, like every yes. house, every single room in Pakistan has a ceiling fan. Yeah. The fact that there was nothing on the ceiling was wild to me. Mine was chipkalis, like forever. <laughs> I will just be like, where the hell are they? I'm hunting yeah. for them. Also chipkalis. Uh, I didn't notice that that much, but the fans, I was like, the room looks really big and clean because mm. there's nothing on the ceiling. Also, right. the one bathroom thing. No. Oh yeah. Oh no, I don't think I'm used to it. And the lota thing, like the lotas here was so weird. No, we brought them. You brought the lotas. <laughs> we brought them essentials. Fair enough. Um, well, we're gonna start the interview now. Let's get into deep, meaningful conversations, which is off that video and off the fame that you have. How? What would you say is the biggest like myth about you, or something that you would like to get rid of? I don't know. I don't. What do you think the biggest myth is about me? We talked. I about mean, you're this. the one who's done the research. So. No, we talked about this the first time you and I met. I thought you were going to be really short, but you're actually quite tall. Uh, see, I didn't know that was a myth. I don't think that's a myth as well. That's why I'm saying when do pe- do people yeah. say something to you that you're just like ah, this is a running theme. I mean, people people meet me and they're like, oh my god, you're so nice. And I'm like, maybe the maybe there's a myth that I'm. Not nice. Why would you say that? No, I'm saying it because a lot of people meet me, and the first thing they say is, "Oh my god, you're so nice. You're so sweet." Well, let's introduce our surprise guest into this, which you might know, and let's see if they think you're nice. Which is your husband, Dan? No, I'm joking. <laughs> He's not here, so. <laughs> yeah, imagine oh if I god, just had him on Zoom. I would love it because he does not give a shit. He does. Just like he would just, yep, nope. I was intrigued to watch uh, to know this before we dive into the work of and you as an actress, which is I'm fascinated with what we grow up with, and how that shapes us in terms of like the entertainment that we watch and the worlds that we want to be a part of. So mm-hmm. I was intrigued to know if you watched anything in Pakistan or even coming to the UK that really had um, kind of like an impact on you. For me, it will always be Anna Kualajin. Oh my gosh! Yeah, like yeah, I remember that show. Always Bill Batori, Nasa Chori, Aja, Aja, Aja. So uh, this is—I was going to say in my old age, but what I mean is now that I'm a grown-up, I think I've really missed out on an essential part of media that I consumed when I was younger and growing up. I never watched anything Pakistani. I never watched anything Bollywood. I solely watched Disney films because my mother was very protective when I was growing up so she just didn't want me to see anything other than Disney films. I moved around a lot. So every 2-3 years my family would move because my father was in the army and we just never knew what channels we would have. So it would be the best if I moved somewhere and they had the Disney channel because I loved watching, you know, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody or Kim Kim Possible or whatever. Or if they ha- I didn't really watch Nickelodeon but if they had it I would watch it. Yeah. But I read a lot. I did a lot of reading. So I grew up reading Harry Potter, Famous Five. Those that's what I used to read. I used to read a lot of encyclopedias, but that is and I think I missed out on a lot because when I was in school, there would be all these like new Bollywood movies that kids would be watching and referencing and I just I didn't get it. And it's the same with Pakistani shows like I never got it. See, it's so fascinating you're naming all these things because you do have a very studious mind to you and a personality to you so that like again like i said what we watch and what we inhale 
really mm. sets our precedence sometimes for our taste palette. Intrigued to know now, like what sort of things do you watch that you feel like shape your your brain as an actor that you really like? You're like, oh my God, that's some good shit. I want to watch it. Versus things that you just need to watch to completely switch off. I don't think I have. So I didn't watch a lot of TV until COVID. I just wasn't used to watching TV. Um, and I was quite... how you've decided to go into that industry. I know this is terrible. That's why I'm not doing well. Um, I just... <laughs> it all makes sense. But you knew um, about it, right? Like you knew about people in the industry, or you didn't even know that. No, I didn't. So this is why when I meet people who are in the industry, I'm like, oh, yeah, you're not famous by people. I'm not because I don't. I don't know a lot of people or famous people. Someone will be like, oh yeah, this person came into work today, blah, blah, blah. And I'd be like, okay, cool. Because I don't, my brain doesn't equate that to fame or I don't know, something to be starstruck by. Because I just didn't grow up watching a lot of TV or movies. Even now I think about it, I don't really use TV to switch off. I will watch things. So if something is really critically acclaimed, a lot of people are talking about it, I will definitely be like, okay, no, I need to watch this and I will watch it. Or if it's something like, you know, like a Disney remake or something, I'm going to go watch that. But in COVID, I think I started watching TV properly. And in COVID, I started watching Bollywood movies properly. Before that, I'd never seen them because I had the time. So I delved into it. And I just, it's interesting watching them now because I wouldn't have the same affiliation I would if I was younger when I watched them. Because right now when I watch them, I'm like, oh, that's what kids used to say when I was growing up. I get the reference now. Because kids used to be like, to see Jare or to see Nana Jao. And I'd be like, okay, bye. <laughs> I didn't get it. Or the songs. They're like I would know the songs because I, I would go to weddings and I would hear the songs, but I never knew the context. So I'd be watching a movie and a song would come on. And I'd be like, oh my God, it's the song. And I would sing the whole thing. And Dan would be like, how do you know the song but you don't know where it's from? And I'm like, because I never saw the movie. Uh, but I get the context and now it makes sense. And even it's interesting because now I watch it from the lens of who I am today. Mm-hmm. And I'll be like, ooh, that's sexist. Ooh, that's creepy. Ooh, you should be in jail. You should not be the hero of this movie. So, you know, things like that. But I can appreciate what they are while being conscious of all of that. I can't turn it off, but it doesn't mean that I can't still enjoy and understand why people resonate so much with them. Now I'm intrigued to know what sparks, like I looked at your history in regards to like, yes, a photographer asked you, yes, you did a commercial. Yes, you talked to your dad that led to like a short film and blah, 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 and the agencies and a whole situation. Your your life story, blah, blah, blah. (laughs) No, but I realize, and I also think why, like, I don't want to ask the same questions which you've done before, although I'm sure like there'll be some similarities. But then I'm intrigued in knowing if you were so, let's say for a lack of a better word, disassociate from that aspect, what was the spark that you were like, this is something that I am passionate about and this is something that I do want to do and this is something that I am going to do? Books. Books. Because, because books allowed me to imagine things in my own way. Mm. when I watch television there's no uh, there's no use of my imagination someone is a character it's their interpretation I just get to watch it and enjoy it whereas growing up I read so many books and I could imagine things happening in my head and the things that happened in my head when I was reading these books was always far better than any movie that I could ever watch so for me and sometimes when I was growing up I used to do like different accents when I was reading books out loud you know when I was studying to make it more interesting I would like do different accents for different paragraphs and things like that so my inspiration has always been books is there a book in particular that let's say for the last 10 years 
the world of the literature that either fiction, nonfiction, that really calls out to you and you're like, oh, I've read it a couple of times and every time I read it, it allows me to do more and more? There's a few. So there's Behind the Beautiful Forevers. Catherine That's a Lewis. play as well, isn't it? If I'm correct in mm-hmm. saying at the National, mm-hmm. they did that, yeah. Yeah, beautiful book. That puts things into perspective every time I read it. And there's always like a nugget that I missed one time or the other that I this that it really applies to me when I read it again. And I think personally, any book by Chimamada Adichie, mm-hmm. I'm particularly Americana. I know, sorry. <laughs> she is amazing. She is my favorite author. But also she deals with, well, my favorite book, which is Americana, it really deals with the topic of immigration and not really knowing your identity and having that crisis of like, this is home, but that's also home. But when I'm here, I miss home. But when I'm there, I miss this home. Mm. And moving from Africa to the West and everything that comes with it. So personally, I really, really, really enjoyed that book. And I've read it a few times now. And I really enjoy everything she writes because of the Mm. way she writes. Um, So she's my, yeah, anything by her, really. Have I ever told you this, that I feel like having met you and now talking to you, I feel like you have a producer in you. I really do. So one of the a fact- producer, I so I'm really you- interested in directing. I know you are, but should I tell you why a producer? And maybe there'll be an off branch of this. So I recently read something in regards to Reese Witherspoon has this company. What she does is she takes books, and if they ever get shopped around for like films, or she shops them around, she's like the middle person and she produces them. But she also directs stuff as well. And I feel like you have those qualities within you and also knowing like how logistical you are sometimes in like organization like when you suggested things to me about Rome or when we've talked about holiday I really feel like you have those those aspects in you don't you need money to be a producer though no you need to be able to be connected with money I I just I really think you have a producer within you I really do. Uh, give me, a, give me to... a film to produce. All right. That's not to say that you can't be a director. <laughs> I think you should be a director. You have great qualities in that as well. But I just, I don't know, native, just like, I feel like you have really good qualities for being oh, a producer. that's so interesting. Thanks. I might or a showrunner. Or a showrunner, which... Showrunner, I, I, I yeah. see myself as. Because I've got, it's, in my head, showrunners are somewhere halfway between assistant directing and producing. Mm. And I and I think I have a little bit of both qualities, and I think I would do well. There you go. There you go. So, All right. Well, let's get watch the space. Watch the space. You never know. You never know. Let's get into deep conversations then. All right. Let's pick on this because we were earlier talking about this, and it kind of hints on that. Having met you again and having talked to you, I'm intrigued to know. So sorry for your loss. But yes. Shut up. <laughs> I am always intrigued by this when I come across artists in the entertainment industry that have such a confidence to them and such a direct way of like, these are my boundaries and this is for the craft. This is what I will do and this is what I won't do. And in my personal life, these are my boundaries. And I don't mean this in a dickish way. Like these are these are the things. So like when I was like researching on you and having like certain things that you would talk about, like your personal life, like things with Dan, things about your marriage, things about the culture. But then also like having met you and you have these rules. What is it that you'll you'll pick an unpaid project only if they serve three things? So um, remind me again. Mm, what it is. I will pick any project any based project. on three things. Over the past five years that I've been in the industry, I've developed a rule for myself which is financial gain, creative gain, 
or exposure. A project has to has it has to have at least one of these things for me to say yes. Financial gain, obviously, is if the character is shared, if the story is shared, if the movie is shared, but I'm getting paid a lot. I will at this stage in my life, I will do it. The second thing is character. In that if it's not paid well and it's a small movie, small budget, everything, I don't care. If the character allows me to flex a muscle that I haven't been able to before, or I get excited by the character and I th- think I can bring something to it and I'm excited to play this character. I will do it because it fulfills my creativity and my expression. And the third thing is exposure. So if the character is not huge, if the pay is not great, but I get to work along amazing actors that I admire or who have succeeded and done really well in my eyes, or if the director is really good, I will do it. So these are the three things. If I'm not getting a single one of these three things, I will politely decline. Mm -hmm. And I developed this rule because I realized that I was saying yes to everything because I was so desperate to work. Desperate in the sense, not in the sense that I wasn't getting work, but in my head, because you're a freelancer when you're acting, every project somehow feels like your last. Every offer feels like your last. So you're like, well, if I say no to this, I don't know when the next one's going to come. Yeah, it's, it's just freelancer anxiety. Every time I would say yes to something where I had a gut feeling that I don't need this, it didn't go well. I didn't enjoy it. I did not get any financial benefit. I did not get any exposure. I didn't enjoy the character I did. And for me to, because I put in my all, no matter what the project is. And if I put in my all and didn't get anything out of it, it meant that I had wasted my time. Uh And there's very, very few projects that I can say that I wasted my time on, but it took a toll on me. And we have to protect our mental health as well. So at the end of those projects, I would just feel extremely drained and tired and I had nothing to show for it. So that's what I've developed for myself now. So where does this, these are my boundaries and I'm confident in having them and I'm confident in the person that I am. At what point do you think in your life you kind of connected with that and acknowledge that and that you now are confident in saying that to other people? Because that takes time. It does take time. And I think it's because I see myself as someone who is more than the role that I play in that I act I'm not an actor in the sense that my worth is not tied to my work. Just like if someone is an accountant, they have their nine to five and then they have their own life after that and before that. And I think the lines are so blurred when you're a freelance creative that it's bad for us. And for me, I'm a a married woman. I, you know, I have family and our traditions, our customs are to be very involved in family and for family to be very involved in us. I'm not the kind of person who can afford to or can completely be 100% an actor. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter-in-law. I'm a daughter. I'm a sister. I'm a cousin. I'm an aunt. And these are all the roles that I fulfill that hold value in my life. Mm -hmm. And to be able to be an actor, I needed to understand that my worth is not tied to my work. Because I can bring more to my work if I see everything else in my life as important to make me whole. Mm -hmm. So all the percentages that I have are the experiences that I have that make my performances and my interpretations of scripts valuable. If I don't have any of those other interactions, any of those other experiences, truly, what am I bringing to acting? Because acting is not pretending, acting is being. So if I don't have any experiences in my life that I can borrow from, Mm -hmm. that I can tie to my character then what characters am I going to play? May I dissect that a little bit? Please. Which is, but just personally speaking, I feel like 
we're going to compare it to accounting because that was the thing that was mentioned, which is I feel like that's such a nine to five clock in and clock out. Like the way that we sometimes work is months on months on months. The like whether you're working in theater, in audio, whether you're working in film, like the hours mm-hmm. are sometimes not like oh this is it, this is where you're going to come. Sometimes shoots go over, sometimes shoots go under. Sometimes you end up taking the character home. If yeah the role calls for that and then you have to deal with the mental aspect of that so how did you come to separate that from the craft from your life like what was a pivotal point for you again I think I've just grown into it <clears throat> because I think I was never I was never like drowning in it if that makes sense I never fully immersed myself in it got it in the sense that I didn't study it it was something I did because I enjoyed it and I continued to do it because people think I'm good at it and keep hiring me. Don't know why they do that. But I've never been in a stage, in a phase in my life where I'm like, okay, I'm going to drama school and I'm completely surrounding myself with just acting and just scripts and just actors. I've never been in that position. And I'm almost grateful for it because when I was very busy and when I was surrounding myself with more and more and more acting, I felt like I didn't enjoy it as much. It mm. felt like a job, in but not in a good way. Got it. Whereas I know that as a freelance creative, you will have gaps and you will have, you know, long spells of silences. And then you will have very busy spells, um, which will be exhausting. But those spells allowed me to enjoy the busy spells more. And I found that if I filled my silent spells with things that I cared about that didn't necessarily have to do anything with acting. Well, yes, go watch a play. Yes, read plays that you like, watch TV that you enjoy but and maybe do workshops play you know don't and I had to tell myself this like don't constantly think about oh my god it's been a week since my last audition it's been a month since my Uh last audition don't be like okay maybe my agent hates me maybe my manager hates me oh my god why is this person working so much I could have done that job or watching things on tv and constantly in your brain being like I could have done that role why didn't I get the audition for that you know, it's filling your silence with things that matter to you that will fuel you in a healthy way. Two questions off that point, which is how do you deal with the noise when it comes to things that kind of like poke at your craft? So when you're when there's comparison involved, when there's financial choices involved, like let's say if if this is all that you're doing to pay the bills and there's nothing else coming and you haven't had auditions, how the the mental aspect of that, how do you feel like you can have a good relationship with that? And the second thing is logistically, I'm very intrigued by the fact of how you balance then the busy periods with being a mother, not a mother, sorry. (laughs) Uh, Oh, oh, uh, we're just announcing Zoha's pregnant. Uh, (laughs) Sorry, I'll edit this out. Surprise guest is Dan. (laughs) You are the father. (laughs) <laughs> um how do you how do you feel that with being a wife being a daughter being a friend being a khala being you know all of those things like how do you feel yeah how do you balance the logisticality of that I was very bad at it I was very very bad at it particularly because I started working not not too far from not too far from COVID not too not too long before COVID is when I started fully considering acting as my full-time job and then COVID hit and all these cool contracts I had just fell through because no one knew what was going on in the world. So I was very bad at it. I tried to put my energies into things that I cared about. So like the podcast, talking about things that I cared about, talking about things that I know that other people were thinking around me, but didn't really talk about. 
because they may not have role models in their life or they may have role models, but they're not comfortable speaking to them about things. So I, I would try to put my energy into things that I really cared about, but then it just didn't work. Because for me, I'm, and this is something that I'm learning to get out of, for me, if I cannot support myself, I feel like I'm a failure financially. So if I know that I don't have any money coming in that month, I, I feel my worst, absolute worst. Even if it's 200 pounds, 100 pounds, whatever it is, if I've got something coming in, I'm fine. So that was a difficult situation for me. And that was when I upskilled. I say upskilled. I reskilled, repivoted. I did a course online and I just started working for a startup from home. And since then, I've pretty much always had a job along with acting because I know that for my mental health, it's always better to be super busy than be not busy enough. What happens if you like have a conflicting thing? Do you let that job go? Because I always feel like that's the that's the double edged sword. Yeah. Yeah, I will. So I have walked out of jobs for acting before. And it's, you know, I <laughs> don't ask for reference. No, this was like ages ago when I yeah. was modeling. Uh, I wasn't even acting yet. I think I had a really big commercial recall. And uh, I was working as a executive assistant or something for someone. I don't even remember. I think it was like a PA or something. And uh, I called them and I was like, hey, I just need an hour extra during my lunch. Because my lunch was like 15 minutes, so which is definitely not legal. And I was like, can I just take an hour because I need to go into London, quickly do this audition, which is going to take like not even 10 minutes and come back. And they were like, you can't go. And I was like, I will either walk out or you let me go for an hour and I will be back. And they were like, no, we can't let you go. And I was like, okay, see ya. I walked out of that job. They didn't pay me for that month. Um obviously didn't call me back and I think you have after that I learned that you have to have an understanding with your employer that this is something that you do do and it may not always be a priority but most most of the time it may be mm. and that it's not something that happens all the time so after that I've always had I've always tried to get something that is remote at least hybrid or remote so that allows flexibility mm. so that I'm not stressing. I'm not sitting in an office stressing um, because I know I work better that way. And I've always had an open conversation with whoever is in my team or whoever is quote unquote my boss and always been like, this is, and I always say it in the interview process, like, yes, this is something that I do. Also, I can't escape it anymore. Like if yeah. someone Googles me, that's all they see. Right. So I'm very honest. I'm like, look, this is what I do. And the nature of the industry is that I'm not doing it 24-7 all the time. But I, I may have to, you know, take some time off to do it. But yeah. I will try to make it work as much as I can because I, I also enjoy my normal job. Really, really enjoy it. And I love the teams that I work with. I want I want to keep it like that because that's my that's the normal side of my life that I yeah. really enjoy. I wanted to touch up on this and interested to know your perspective on it. When you met Dan who I call Daniel, did you, were you in the entertainment field at that point in terms of modeling and things like that? And did you make a conscious decision to be like, I'm not going to involve this person in my world to a specific capacity? Because we've talked about self-tapes. You won't do self-tapes near him. Um, but he does shoot some content for you sometimes. Oh my God, I've trained him so well. He's so <laughs> And He's so did, were you, 
but were you like oh no I'm not going out with the artist no way hell no I so I met him when I was very young I think I was only just beginning to take modeling seriously when I met him so I don't really have a choice um <laughs> love you babe but no I just I think I'm very lucky that I met my my partner in life my soulmate so early on and and in such formative years that I don't think I'd be the person that I am today if I hadn't met him yeah because there's a lot of things that he supported me and that no one else has supported me and you know he's allowed me to be myself fully I still remember the first time that when we started going out it, I didn't talk about modeling or doing commercials or acting I I was in plays when I was at university I did it for fun but I never considered it a career and it did start growing into a career but I was afraid of what he would think if I told him I was a model in the sense that I didn't want him to think that I was shallow or that I was you know dumb and I just wanted to look pretty it, that stereotype still exists always um, whilst doing a law degree which is fascinating to me <laughs> that he would think that I mean it's my brain okay okay so I still remember I was really afraid of telling him and I had to like sit him down and I'd be like I have to tell you something like this is what I do because of the culture that I've grown up in I'll a model I don't I'm not okay with that you know because I grew up in a culture where women are seen as immodest or you know not good women if they are in the industry or models or actors so I was very almost scared of telling him because I didn't want him to think differently of me but this boy when I told him he was like I'm dating a model. Damn. <laughs> but anyway, so it started with that. And then like we've been together for so long and he's seen me at my lowest. He's seen me at, you know, my highest. And he's always supported me. And he's that one voice of reason in my life because he's not attached to anything that I do. So he doesn't fully understand the industry. So he will be very objective with the advice that he gives me, which has always helped me. And then he also knows my personal dynamic and my family dynamic and everything so if I'm struggling with that again he's very objective yeah so he will always be very matter of fact so for example the first time I got offered a movie my parents were like over our dead bodies we're not doing this you're not allowed to do this blah 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 and I you know almost broke down because I was like if I'm not an actor if I can't act in my life I don't know who I am because it's such an intrinsic part of me and I was like well I'm doing my master so maybe I have to stop acting altogether and just be a lawyer because yeah. I can't do both you know and I was having this existential crisis that I was like, if I choose law, I will never, probably never act again. But if I choose acting, my entire family is going to be so disappointed in me. And, you know, they don't even know that I do this seriously. And he sat me down and he was like, okay, firstly, it's, it's, it's one movie. Okay, they're going to shoot it over a summer. So think about that. Secondly, they're basing it all around your summer break. Like they have said that they will shoot it in the days that you are off there. The schedule is you you decide and thirdly he's the one who phrased this really well for me he said if you become a really successful lawyer would you ever look back and regret not becoming an actor or if you're a very successful actor would you ever turn around and regret not becoming a lawyer and i was like if i became a successful actor i would never even think about law i don't even need to be a successful actor that's gonna be a surrounding actor and i wouldn't even think about law and that one question like changed everything in perspective for me so that's when i took I deferred my year of master's and, well, said I would go back to it if I needed to, but I still haven't gone back. So, How long has that been? Because you can keep deferring, can you not, if I'm correct in saying that sometimes? For three years, is it? Up to? Yeah, I think so. But I, I deferred it for a year and I just, I knew I 
I just had a feeling that I wouldn't go back. And if I did want to go back, I could because I had an unconditional offer to study and I was, you know, I just knew that I wouldn't pursue it. So wait, uh, going back to the question, which is I really want to clarify this, is what constitutes shooting content versus involving the boy in self-tapes? And has he, well, no, third question I will ask separately. Content, I don't see content as like content. I just, it's fun for me. I enjoy making videos. I love editing. And I, I see things in frames. Yeah. So if I'm walking down and I see a frame, I'm like, babe, babe, just hold the phone and film me here. Just stay still. So for me, it's like an in the moment thing. I'm myself having fun. I'm appreciating something that's beautiful. Self-tape is work. Self-tapes for me, firstly, I'm not me. I'm a character. Secondly, I will put the work in. I have studied the script. I have, you know, I've tried to understand where this character is coming from, where they're going, what their objective is, all of that. And he he can stand behind a camera and take a picture or take a video. Yeah. It's improved massively. But self-tapes are very different for me. So self-tapes, like, I can't act because I know it's him. If I'm asking a friend who is an actor for help with a self-tape and reading lines, they are a character to me. I can I can dissociate. I cannot dissociate him from himself. He is never going to be a character for me. And I'm always self-conscious when I'm acting in front of him. Always. I have never invited him to any play I've done, any performance I've done. I don't think he's ever seen an interview I've done because I just, it's, no, it's weird. I was going to say that. That was going to be my next question. Like, would he, like, I'm sure he's watched a couple of your films or commercials or something like that. Because like. Yeah, I mean, commercials are not really commercials are no but still like that would be like oh i have no clue what you do so like i'm sure he has i'm fine with that yeah wait so does that mean interested to know because i have had this conversation which is like with the people close with you and the values that you have how do you navigate the work that you're gonna get and the things that you'll do so like for example like i had this conversation which we've had as well like in regards to nudity in regards to kissing in regards to playing somebody else's wife or somebody else's lover or like the thing like terrorist or whatever do you know what like certain things do you guys have those conversations we so this this was a conversation very early on in my career which was like what will I do what will I not do with myself and he just took it for granted he was just he just knew yeah that my boundaries would be different in fact my boundaries were much tighter than his in the sense that I would be like oh my god I'm never gonna kiss someone on screen ew or like I would get a role in a huge movie and it would be two scenes and it would literally just be eye candy. And I'd be like, I don't really want to do that. And he he would be like, babe, you're an actor. Like you, you can't close off doors just because of that. Obviously don't do it just for nothing. Mm. But like, if it makes sense for the character, then you, you will have to kiss someone one day on screen. And that's why. He fine. sounds like a coach. He really sounds like a coach there. He's not a coach. He's texting me right now asking me what bed sheets we should put on. But, <laughs> but yeah, so he, he was ahead of me ahead of the curve than I was I was almost I think I was very young when I was starting out um, and I'm quite naive at times not naive but I am very trusting and I think people think that the way that I do and in my head I was like if I ever want to not do something it's fine Mm. and it still is but now I understand there's more than just if I want to do it or not there's so many other things that affect that decision and so Zoha starting out five years ago was like oh, I'm never gonna kiss anyone on screen that's disgusting I don't want to be that close to anyone to now being very comfortable with it and having done it multiple times so it's such a journey 
Are you laughing at me? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I'm laughing at the way you said it, not what you're saying. What did I say? How did I say it? Having done it multiple times. <laughs> yeah, I was counting in my head. I was like, does that count as multiple? And we'll do it. We started off this conversation as if I was a book, I'd be a slut. So <laughs> that can be the title of the episode. If I was a book, I'd be a slut. Although I don't know if your fan base is going to attack me or not. Yeah. Which is fine. Come for me. I do want some clout. So, you know, it might be nice to get a little bit of clout. Might go viral. Who knows? Maybe. Maybe. Hey, it's a journey. You, you, you grow. Your boundaries grow. Your experiences grow. Your decisions change. Um, and as long as you have a good support system, you will be comfortable enough to grow. Otherwise, it's stagnant otherwise, and what's the point? Well, everyone, that brings us to the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed part one of my part two parted episode chat with Zohar Rahman. Don't know how to phrase that, but yeah, sure. <laughs> I will be uploading part two soon, so make sure to keep an eye out for that. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And don't forget to rate and comment on whichever platform you're listening this episode on. I will put the information of our artist and some show notes in the description of this episode, so make sure to check that out. But as of now, I will leave you as I always do. Breathe in breathe out now must go which means now i must go that is copyrighted and i will sue until next time stay curious